A very good morning to you, everyone. Welcome along to Tradies News in a Nutshell for your 1st of March, 2023. It is Wednesday morning, the middle of the week. Daniel Pedigree with you for the course of the next hour. We're broadcasting through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane, and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. Good to have your company. Yeah, first day of autumn, summer uh, at least. Supposedly done and dusted, not by the weather, but uh, we are also now, more importantly than that, only one sleep away from the start of the NRL season. Just over 24 hours away until we get the Eels and the Storm as our first game of the 2023 NRL season. Everyone very excited about that, and uh, we will talk more about that, of course, on the show tomorrow. But there was team this Tuesday yesterday, so we'll get to that uh, shortly. Also coming up uh, today... Uh, we're going to talk to Maddie Cox, the host of Tradies News in Melbourne, in about 15 minutes, talk about some of the big issues of the week. So we'll have a chat with him uh, then in about 15 minutes. Plus, I know we're only a day away from uh, the rugby league season, but, of course, the third test in India, which is very, very intriguing, begins a little later on today. So Andrew Menzel from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast will join me in about half an hour, get his thoughts on how... He sees Australia faring in the third test against India. Uh, we'll also talk about the unbelievable effort from our Australian women's uh, T20 team as well. So he'll join me in about half an hour. Um, and you can text me anytime, 0457 736 736. You can call the open line, 1300 01 1170, anytime between now and 6 a.m. before Vossi and, Bra- uh, and James Magnuson for breakfast this morning. Uh, Brandy's RDO and Patton Heels from 6 a.m. local time. Queensland listeners, you'll have the first hour of Vossi and James Magnuson. Well, it was exciting yesterday afternoon, wasn't it? 4pm last night uh, when we got, or yesterday afternoon, when we got Teamless Tuesday. Look, there's a lot to go through. I know uh, Joel and Fletch in the run home uh, did a lot of this yesterday, but just some of the key ins and outs uh, from some of the teams. And probably the big talking point is from the Dolphins, who haven't played a competitive NRL game yet. However, Anthony Milford, not part of the 17, Wayne Bennett has elected to leave Anthony Milford out of the 17. Uh, More on that in a second. Brad Arthur has named his second row pairing. Well, Ivan Cleary has replaced injured winger Taylor May uh, uh, for Manly. Tom Dravojevic has been named to play his first game since round 11 last season. The Bulldogs and the Sharks will be without a key player, Luke Thompson, and really bad news surrounding Luke Thompson as well. Looks like he's going to be out for most likely the whole year. And Nico Hines, which we kind of knew uh, with the Cronulla Sharks, won't be playing as well, ruled out uh, for round one. Uh, the Roosters, no Joey Manu or Jaguria Hargraves either. We'll see Kalen Ponga for the Newcastle Knights start at 5-8. So a lot of ins and outs. Um, just on Anthony Milford, it'll be interesting to see if he comes back to that Dolphin side at all this year because Wayne Bennett, after leaving him out, of that side to play the Roosters on Sunday. It's the four o'clock game on Sunday up there in Queensland. Uh, His career is really at the crossroads, isn't it? Wayne Bennett issued a stern warning to his 5'8 to lift his game or risk falling or failing to realise his potential in the NRL. So on NRL 360 last night, they released a statement from Bennett to the Courier-Mail that challenged Milford to take control of his career or watch it fade away after he has dropped for round one. Bennett said, the reality is, where does Anthony want to be in 12 months' time? 
Does he want to be back on the top of his game or in and out of the team like a yo-yo? Time is running out, but Anthony still has time. He has to make a decision whether he is really committed to getting better or is he happy just doing what he is doing and just cruising through life? And the Dolphins skipper Jesse Bromwich backed up Wayne Bennett as well, saying, for me, it just says that one has had a better preseason than the other. So a lot of the selections come down to who is showing what they've got over the preseason. I'd like to see him fight as an Anthony Milford fight for the jumper and fight for his spot. I would just love to see him turn up to training with a really good attitude and an attitude to help the young guy out. I guess that's why we are all here. Us experienced guys are all here to start the club off on the right way. And uh, and for me, that's the right way. So I'd love to see Anthony do that as well. Yeah. Uh, surprising, not surprising. No Anthony Milford in that Dolphins lineup. 0457 736 736 or one 1170 And on that as well, yesterday we did your Dalian medalist, your most improved team for 2023. Today we're going the other way. Who is going to collect the wooden spoon? And look, you don't like wishing any club um, bad luck, but who is going to collect the wooden spoon in 2023? The Dolphins definitely would have to be talked about in that, but there's a lot of other teams that I think have a case, unfortunately, of winning the Wooden Spoon. So who are your Wooden Spooners for 2023? Tomorrow we'll do Premiers and Runners-Up. But today, your Wooden Spooners for 2023. 0457-736-736 or 1300-01-1170. Now, I don't know if you caught NRL 360 last night, and there's an article about it in uh, the Telegraph yesterday and today as well. But Paul Crawley was on NRL 360 um, and he's written an article about this as well, saying that it's time for the NRL players' salaries to be made public. He wants every player on every club's top 30 roster to basically reveal, or the game to reveal, what they have been paid. Happens in the NBA, happens in the NFL, and he's arguing it, arguing that it should be good enough for the NRL as well. He wants to know what Mitchell Moses is being paid. And this, I suppose this story has come to light a bit more over the past couple of weeks as the jokes about the Roosters start up again after the, not that they've officially confirmed either of these, I don't think, but the signings of Dom Young and Spencer Linu. Um, he thinks that players' salary should be made public. What do you think? 0457 736 736. Or one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Should the players in the NRL salaries be made public? There are really two sides to this argument. The first side is yes, you get all these jokes about the Roosters, and and we have seen in previous years that um, there have been teams that have been uh, caught for the salary cap. The Bulldogs, what twenty odd years ago, the Storm ten years ago, some other clubs, well, fifteen years ago, some other clubs around the place as well. Uh, more minor than that. Parramatta got into trouble with it about five or six years ago and lost, I think it was four competition points. But by the same token, is there a right to privacy? I mean, no one, well, not many people reveal to the public what they get paid. There would be certain jobs, but not many. But would it stop the issue of the jokes about, and, and really not just to do with the Roosters, but a lot of other teams, would it stop this? 
if you knew how much James Tedesco was getting paid, if you knew how much Nathan Cleary was getting paid, Cam Munster, is it fair? Is it not fair? Would you like to see, do you agree with Paul Crawley? The, the overwhelming response, by the way, on the Daily Telegraph website is that players' salary should be made public. 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. Should players' uh, salaries be made public in the NRL like it is in American sport? We are, of course, talking about different leagues. Look, some of these players in American sport get paid, as we see over in England, a lot of more money than NRL players. But would you like to see it? Would you like to see the NRL players' salaries be made public? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 Wooden spooners this year. Who is going to pick up the wooden spoon? 1300-01-1170 or 0457-736-736 in the cricket. As I say, we're going to talk to Andrew Mensel a bit later on. Menas from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. Do you give Australia any chance in this test? Steve Smith back as captain with Pat Cummins sadly at home uh, due to family reasons. Is there a chance Australia could win this test match? Can you see a remarkable turnaround? Or do you see it being over again in three days like the first two tests were and in India victory? Can you see a turnaround in the cricket? one 1170 457 So your wooden spooners for the year... In the NRL, should NRL players' salaries be made public? And also the cricket. Can you see Australia turning things around? one 1170 0457 736 736 to your text. And we'll talk to Maddie Cox of Melbourne after this. It's 10 past 5 in New South Wales, 10 past 4 in Queensland. Yeah, good to have your company. We're going to have a chat with Matty Cox, host of Tradies News in a nutshell in Melbourne in just a second. Uh, lots of texts there. I'll get to them after that. 0457 736 736. Remember, you can jump on the open line anytime. Have your say. 1300 01 1170. We hear from Makita this season. Makita, of course, helps you rule the outdoors. So 1300 01 1170. Or you can text 0457 736 736. Let's have a chat with Matty Cox. Good morning, mate. Good morning to you, Maddie. How are you going on this fine Wednesday morning? I'm not too bad. I had to sprint into the studio after mm. I lost my tea bag and my cup of tea this morning. But anyway, <laughs> First world we'll problems. Over that. Yes, exactly. Now, I believe you missed your alarm over the course of the last week <laughs> after your last Wednesday well, indicating that you'd never done such a thing. Well, I didn't. No, no, no. That That's uh, fake news, as Donald Trump once said. Uh, no, I didn't miss my alarm. My alarm, actually. So I talked to you Wednesday morning and everything was fantastic. We were flying through the week. Came in on Thursday, everything fantastic. One more day to go, looking forward to the weekend. Felt a bit coldy, Manny, just a tiny bit coldy. So I thought I'd do the right thing. And something that I probably, at some stages, probably haven't done in the past um, is I thought I'd just do a COVID test and uh, came up positive. Um, so unfortunately, had to have Friday and Monday off, uh, kept everyone safe in this building. Uh, so I didn't miss my alarm. Uh, there was just no alarm set. All I'm hearing mm-hmm. is excuses yep. and fake news. <laughs> oh, just, that's what I'm hearing at this end. Maybe it's something in the uh, connection this morning. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but, uh, but you've you've yeah. timed your run well though, because yeah. there's a bit happening this morning in your negative mm. woods. We'll get to the NRL mm. in a moment, but. Mm. I've just spent the last 10 minutes down here reflecting on the extraordinary day that happened over in New Zealand mm. yesterday. And mm. just 
marvelling at the fact that after five days, you could have a margin as close mm. as one run. Mm. It was it was extraordinary watching that unfold yesterday. And and you know, I saw someone on Twitter put uh, yesterday after that match that we talk a lot about T Twenty cricket, and it definitely has its place. One day internationals is there, although I think it's probably slipped down a bit in the uh, recent years. But this is why Test match cricket is still the best for, in my opinion, the best form of cricket in the world. And look, I, I don't mind the T20. I don't mind one days. But and look, Maddie, we know not every Test match is going to be like that. Um, we've seen that with Australia recently. Mm. But when Test match cricket is played at its best, it is almost in cricket terms impossible to beat. You remember a long time ago, but you remember that Ashes series of 2005 when a lot of the, a couple of those test matches came down to the last couple of balls. It is, I, I still think, the best form of cricket, um, and it's. I don't think it will ever be overtaken. No. I, well, whether it's overtaken or mm. not, I guess, is dependent upon how much investment is made into it, not only by the cricketing organisations around the world, but also to the focus of the players and the priority because we're now growing up in an era where kids no longer True. revere the baggy green. It's no. all about T20 cricket. It's all about the the excitement, the entertainment. Mm. And, and w when you get a bit older, the lure of big bucks. Yeah. And, and I suppose as well for people younger than us um, and uh, continuing to be born and then watch sport is that, a lot of our winter sports, uh, well, our main two winter sports in AFL and NRL, people are used to it going for NRL a bit shorter period of time, but still two and a half, three hours. Um, Big Bash does just that over the summer month. So it, it, you are right. It, there, there is, uh, you can watch one game of cricket for three hours or you can watch one game that potentially goes for five days. And you are right about the younger generation. They, If T20 and the Big Bash keeps uh, as popular as it is or maybe gets uh, more popular, you're right. There is a possibility that in 10 or 20 years that most people that have grown up, yes, watch a bit of Test Match Cricket, maybe the Ashes, an Indian series. But other than that, T20 is their main focus. Well, forget about 10 or 20 years down the track. Mm. What about now? Yeah, because the true. conversation has been into this Indian series. Did mm. Australia have the right focus and preparation to be able to, to conquer the subcontinent? Because there was no. the focus on the Big Bash mm. and getting the stars back into the Big Bash to be able to give it a boost, which I think subsequently worked. But at what cost? Yeah, no, that, that is true. Um, and you have seen it over recent years, not just this series, that you see players and commentators saying that they are trying to bring, and not every T20 tactic goes does go into Test Match cricket, but there has been an adaption uh, where we do see some players try and play a bit of 2020-style cricket in Test Match cricket. And the other thing is, I think, and you bring this back away from the players, but back to the fans, is... The fans are used to now seeing with T20 cricket, are used to, well, the fans of T20 cricket are used to now seeing fast moving cricket. So all of a sudden, when you go back to a test match, um, and that yesterday was unbelievable, when you go back to a test match um, and you see it move along slowly, a lot of people, younger people, uh, people that are into the T20, don't like that anymore. Um, I, I have a mate who used to religiously watch test cricket. He's uh, a couple of years younger than me, so he's late 20, he's still very young. Um, used to love watching Test Match Cricket, 
Started watching T20, and apart from the occasional test series, has very little interest in it now. So that would be happening more than just that one person that I know. That would be happening well right around the world. And again, that comes down to what is the priority, particularly from cricketing organisations that aren't necessarily the strongest. And even you use this test match as an example. The first couple of days of it, yes, there were runs mm. being scored, but it wasn't scintillating cricket. It was only day five that really mm. captured the, the hearts and imagination of every sports fan. So it swings and round. But I, I, I'm i I'm someone that can sit down, Dan, I think yep. I've told you this before, mm. I could sit down and watch every lap of Mount Panorama, the Bathurst 1000. So I may mm. be the wrong person to be talking about attention spans with. <laughs> Speaking of yes. attention, yep. you kick off... When I say you, the NRL kicks off <laughs> yeah, round one yeah. tomorrow. Uh, the, the, the excitement, the anticipation that is building towards the, the the official commencement of the new season. And as you get your teeth stuck into that, where's this EBA sit? Have we got any movement on it? Uh, well, there was articles across the weekend that said no, that... No, there's, there's basically no. Oh. But... but <laughs> There were articles, uh, but there's been articles for the past month saying they're very close uh, to it. We'll see what unfolds. I don't think, uh, what I will say is there has been no talk in the past few days about any player strike, anything like that. So I think they are probably closer to an agreement than not, but still uh, not totally being finalised. But uh, Maddie, in terms of the anticipation, in terms of the excitement, I thought, look, just my personal opinion, I thought, and maybe it was to do with this RLPA NRL dispute, I thought... Leading up to the past seven days, it's been a little quiet. Yes, we had the preseason challenge, but they're still, uh, for all intents and purposes, just trial matches. But I think the excitement definitely this week, um, I, I think everyone woke up on Monday morning thinking, okay, we've just got to get through a few days. We've got football on Thursday night, and then, of course, a weekend of it. And that anticipation has grown throughout the week. And now we're only one sleep away from it. Maybe two sleeps if you work these hours and have naps. But anyway, um, it is just really exciting. Eels and the Storm tomorrow night to kick things off, which will be a good game. And really, there's some really good matchups through round one of the National Rugby League. But it's like any year, and it'll be the same in the AFL when that kicks off on, what, the 16th of March. It's Everyone is just really excited to see some footy. They'll settle down. Everyone will settle down by round three or round four. But it's just so good to have seven months of rugby league, uh, 27 rounds, then four finals as well, well, four weeks of finals, including the grand final. And, yeah, the anticipation definitely growing uh, over the past few days and kick off tomorrow night. I can I can feel a sense of anticipation because we had what they're calling match simulations. I actually don't really know what they were. And my interest <laughs> level in it wasn't a great deal because yep. we, had, we had some matches that were going for eight, Periods, eight eighths, if you if you want to call them that, on the weekend there was a score over two hundred, and 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 we're all drawing conclusions about who's going to be in the top four based on those encounters. It's it, it's quite funny when you think about it. But we get we get a, well, I say proper taste, but we have a couple of practice matches, or practice matches for all sides this weekend, but in a proper match condition. So we go back to four quarters, which which will be nice, and I think we'll get some sort of validation because this is a, a different pre-season for us, as I think we've alluded to in the last couple of weeks. That we've changed the structure. We've got the additional round this year mm. with the, the gather round over in Adelaide, which has meant that the pre-season has been shortened, and, and some like it. Some think we should just have 
one game and get into it. Some think maybe it's just match simulations. Some say maybe we don't need it all. Just get stuck into it and have more rounds of the proper stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, well, uh, that's the argument that uh, we get here now. Obviously, it's great that the, the two weeks televised, but there is someone, uh, a couple of people that I know that say, well, why are we playing these trial matches? Now, I think, uh, unfortunately, I think clubs need at least one trial match a year. I just think it needs to be done. But the argument is, why don't we just start the season a few weeks earlier but not play your top tens? But that, I think, would then diminish the start of the competition. I think, unfortunately, I think trial matches are a necessary evil. Um, as long as you don't get many injuries from it. We saw um, Justin Olam from the Melbourne Storm get injured in one against the Roosters a couple of weeks ago with a fractured arm. So you don't want anything like that. But I do think they are a necessary evil to have, unfortunately. I disagree. You disagree? Okay. Yeah, I, I, I feel as if you, you yes, okay, that you've got pre-season loading and there's management around the fitness base that you can build and you're mm. always going to have cobwebs. Even in round one, you're going to have cobwebs no matter what. So if, you, if you're reducing the pre-season, just get rid of it. If clubs want to organise an intra-club encounter before mm. the season gets started, let them do it. If you want to have that silly match simulation <laughs> stuff, let them do it. Okay. And, and have an extra three rounds that we, we cry for more football. We mm. cry, for, no, regardless of the code, you want the real stuff. You want the meaty stuff. You don't want to just be sitting here going, oh, yeah, well, yeah, that looks okay, yeah. but can you read much into it? Oh, yeah, I'm not going to head along to the match. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I have to say the pre-season challenge, and look, I watched bits and pieces of it for this job, but it really didn't capture my attention. It was good to see some rugby league back on, but at the end of the day, it meant very little. Um Rip. Rip the Band-Aid off, get into it. That's my... Yep, that's exactly. My uh, Maddie, can I just ask you one other thing before uh, you go? Um, article in the Daily Telegraph today, I've got a stack of texts I'll get to after our chat here about uh, the potential Paul Crawley, one of the rugby league journalists here, has said that unlike over in America with the NBA and the NFL, uh, the NRL player salary should be made public. And this is to stop it. And there's always some jokes about uh, the Roosters, who are a dominant team, in Sydney, but we've seen issues in the past with the Storm and the Bulldogs in the past. This is stop all these jokes and to make it, well, just make it transparent to everyone that all these players' salaries, what they're getting paid should be made public. Would you support that happening in the, well, any sport really, or do you think there is some right to privacy? Because as I said, Maddie, when I was talking about this 20 minutes ago, is that there's not many jobs in the world. There are some, but there's not many jobs in the world where we know exactly how much everyone is getting paid. No, and to draw an incredibly long, though, are you prepared to tell everyone your salary this morning? No, no, I'm not. No, no. I'm not either. No. I, I, I don't understand. It's not one of an NRL player, though. Yep, go on. <laughs> no, I'm not falling into that category, too. I don't. I know Kane Corns down here is mm. is incredibly big on this issue, and and being public about it to to again create that awareness around it and almost accountability. I think that's associated with it. In my opinion, does it really matter? No. Does it really matter what a player is earning, mm. so long as they they're playing their role in the team? Yeah. That that outweighs. I I understand that we we want transparency around, particularly with salary cap issues. But 
at the end of the day, does it really have any sort of impact? It's up to the, the, the list managers, the, the football administration staff to be able to work their magic to be able to fit the best players that they can afford in, in under the salary cap. Let them do their job. So long as that you get the, the team performing, and if the team's not performing, well, then you make adjustments, as, as we see. So I, I don't understand the fascination with player salaries. It, it doesn't interest me. I think from an NRL point of view, there's a lot of talk about how there was an article in the Telegraph the other day how the Roosters are not above the salary cap. Uh, there's no suggestion of that, but there is, their, their roster is worth more than what the salary cap is if they paid them what they all deserve to get. Now, clearly they're not doing that. Um, so I think there's more coming from that angle. But really, at the end of the day, there are people uh, who are paid very good money, I'm sure, by the NRL to investigate all of this, to keep an eye on all of this. Same in the AFL. And you've just got to trust them at the end of the day. Um, and there's third-party deals. There's all of that. Um, yeah, a lot of the texts here say, yes, let's make it transparent. Um, and I'll read them in a second. But... Yeah. I'd, 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 I'd pose an. I'd be mm. keen to hear feedback. Why? Yeah. Why do they want to hear it? Yeah. Is it because they are a member of the club and they want some sort of awareness because they're making a contribution or an investment? What? Like, why do you want to know what your fifteenth player on the list is earning? As an example. Yeah. Yep, I understand that point of view. I also understand why people want to make it transparent. My, my whole thing is I still think there should be some privacy uh, around this. Um, but, uh, I, look, and I don't think it's going to happen, to be honest. I think everyone can say, yes, they'd like to see it. No, they don't want to see it. I'd be very surprised if it happened in the NRL or the AFL anytime soon anyway. Yes, I agree. Now, but just very quickly, yes. final note of the morning. Yes. Are you trying to kick out bellyache? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not. Uh, but he was on NRL 360 on Monday and basically declared that potentially this could be his final uh, year. Now, there, let's just put a bit of an asterisk on this. We have talked about this for the past four or five years. But look, in all honesty, he said he thinks this is time uh, that this will be his last year and it's time for the club to find a new coach. He would still be involved part-time with the Melbourne Storm. Um, look, if it is, it's a wonderful coaching career. But let's just wait and see. Um, it be I would imagine this is his 21st year coaching the Melbourne Storm. I would imagine if he does go, it'll be, uh, or does step down, it'll be a very, very hard decision for him to make to give up something that he loves so much. But... At some point in time, that is going to happen. And if I'm the Melbourne Storm, um, I'd want to know sooner rather than later so they can get some succession planning going to see who will replace Craig Bellamy if indeed this is his last year. Oh, I would have hoped that they already had a plan for well, succession. Yes. Mm. Uh, otherwise, and they may as, well. As we've seen in the past, clubs that have had big, long-tenure coaches that suddenly disappear doesn't necessarily end successfully. No, that is true. Um, I think Melbourne might be a bit different, but look, it to be interesting how see how Melbourne go this year with Craig Bellamy, uh, with no Pappenhausen for the first at least six, eight, ten weeks, maybe longer, well, um, and a I youngish think, squad. I think Craig Bellamy's put on the agenda that it's maybe unlikely this year. Yes, potentially. Um, mm. Which isn't the greatest of news no. to finish on. But anyway, no. we'll uh, we'll press on. Thank you, Matty. Uh, I'll be here next week. Don't worry. I hope so. Don't sleep in again. No, no. Well, no, well, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> Thank you, Matty. We'll, see, we'll speak Expect next the defamation lawsuit to come through a yep, little later exactly, this morning. Exactly. At about <laughs> 9, 9.01. Uh, have a good day. You too.
Matty Cox in Melbourne talking all things sport. A stack of texts there, 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70. I'll get to them after the break, asking you the wooden spooners for 2023. Who is going to take home the wooden spoon? Should NRL salaries be made public? Yes or no? 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70. We're going to have a chat with Andrew Mentzel Menas after the break as well. The cricket, do you give Australia any chance? And on the back of our conversation with Matty Cox there, is Test cricket still the pinnacle of cricket in your eyes? 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70. Your text, your calls and Menas next. Andrew Mensel talking cricket in a moment, but let's go to the open line. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Dario from the Blue Mountains is on the line. Morning to you, mate. Morning, Dan. How are you? Yeah, very well, mate. How are you going? Good, good. I just wanted to make a comment in regards to the salary cap and the Paul Crawley comments. Yep. Uh, my view is that it's really simple, is that there's, there's no need to know what the players are getting paid. Mm. Third-party endorsements come into coming into the equation for the list managers. So at the end of the day, you can pay under on a player, have a third-party endorsement, and they still get the money and still get to play for the club that they want. I think more importantly, it's around the fact that there's no discount for producing juniors in football. Mm. So you look at a club like Penrith, who's been successful, but their model's based around having a junior nursery and investing in the in the juniors, and they've won every grade last year. So they lose the juniors, and then they lose the top 30 players because of the salary cap. So they've got pressure coming from both ends. Where you look at a Roosters club, the board, their network, the after, you know, the after football opportunities, there's an attraction to go to the Roosters if you're looking at your lifespan as a footballer compared to being at a Panther where you come as a junior, you lose the juniors or you lose the, the top players to the cap. So they're different models that are there. Mm. Knowing what a player gets paid, I, I think it's just a breach of privacy for them. Yeah, I, think, know, I, I don't want to tell anyone my salary and I don't think anyone else does as well. Yeah, no, I think it'd be a breach of privacy as well. And look, Braithen has said something similar uh, on NRL 360 the other day that people, well, players go to the clubs like the Roosts and the Storm, uh, not just for rugby league chances, and obviously a lot of chances there, but also uh, to potentially uh, do something better off-field uh, post-career. Thank you for the call, Dario. Have a good day, mate. You too. Cheers. Dario on the open line. Uh, Chris from Rose Bay, I'll get to you shortly. We've just got to talk to Andrew Mensel first from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. Just this one from Dan. Good morning, Dan. And yes, Make it transparent. It's a no-brainer. Every other sport does it and makes it transparent for the world to see. Just Clint and the RLPA just don't want it out there either. Also, who is the leak at the Dragons? That's why, in my opinion, the Dragons will get the spoon. That one uh, there from Dan. Uh, more of your texts and open line in a second. But firstly, let's talk to this man uh, to talk all things cricket. Now on Tradies News, let's get the latest in cricket. Wednesday morning, it is Tradies News in a nutshell. Keep those texts coming in, 0457 736 736. Calls 1300 01 1170. Now, we may only be one sleep away from the NRL season, but the cricket is still going to dominate headlines at least over the course of the next couple of weeks. Then, of course, throughout this year's rugby league season, we also have the Ashes in a few months' time to talk all about the cricket coming up. Uh, the third test beginning a little later on today. Andrew Menzel, Menas from the Cricket Unfiltered. Filtered Podcast is on the line. Morning to you, Menas. 
Yeah, good morning, Dan. You're going to get positive manners this morning. Good. I've been very negative throughout this India tour, but I'm, I'm going to be optimistic. And I just want to add, we've also got the 50-over World Cup mm. after the Ashes. So this is a stellar year for cricket fans. Huge year for cricket, isn't it? Um, now, we know how the first two test matches have gone. Uh, in particular, the second test match uh, was not very good for Australia, and that's probably putting it lightly. Uh, now, what are we go? What are we thinking we'll see when the side is named a little later on today? Obviously, no Pat Cummins to start with back in Australia uh, to be with his ill mother. So Steve Smith will captain the side. But what else do we see? Cameron Green, Mitchell Stark being in that side name later on today. Yeah, there's been a, you know, a, a lot, it's a lot easier for the selectors now because a lot of players have gone home, not just Pat Cummins, but David Warner, Ashton Agar. So mm. sort of who's left over there. And uh, <laughs> Mitchell Stark has come good. He, he should play today. So you'll see him probably take Pat Cummins' spot mm. and they may keep the same three spinners they had in the last test match. Mm. And then Cameron Green should come into the side and he'll probably bat at five or six. And that gives um, Steve Smith another really good pace bowling option because there was a feeling after the last test match that maybe there wasn't enough pace bowling bowled at the Indian tail enders. So with Green and Stark, that solves the problem. And then you probably, Travis Head will stay up the top of the order with Usman Khawaja. So that's a lot better lineup, much better lineup than the first two tests. Cameron Green being fit adds a lot. And it also means more right handers which is um, harder for Ashwin to bowl at. Now, Greg Alexander on the Sydney Breakfast Show last week declared that Australia will win a test match in this series. He didn't say whether it would be a third test or a fourth test, uh, or the fourth test. Do you see Australia winning a test match? And is two all even a chance, men are surely not? Well, last week I would have said no, mm. but I, I, had, I had a weekend away from batting. Is this positive manners for you now? This is positive okay. manners. Yep. This is positive manners because I think Australia has nothing to lose now. They've hit rock bottom. They've hit the absolute lowest point of this team. And usually when a team's like that, they mm. kind of get this devil-may-care attitude that they've got nothing to lose. So combined with uh, Cameron Green and Mitchell Stark coming into the side, I think we've got a real chance at sneaking a victory in one of these last two test matches. And if we can battle back and level this series to all, it will be such a phenomenal fight back. So India is still raging hot favourites. We've seen how good they are. But this 11 looks solid. The, the players will have adjusted to the conditions. And as I said, they've got nothing to lose. Yeah, interesting question. And it may or may not make much difference once we get to the end of this Indian series. But for confidence levels heading into the Ashes, and I know it's still a few months away, but they would love to at least pick up one win in one of these two test matches, surely. Because if they are to lose the series 4-0, that surely has to affect, and as I said, I know there's a few months beforehand, but surely has to affect the confidence level heading into the Ashes series in the middle of the year. Look, I only think it'll slightly affect the confidence mm. levels because the conditions in England are going to be so different. Very different. I mean, you're going to go from dry, dusty pictures in India playing in 40-degree heat to, you know, freezing cold <laughs> conditions in England with, you know, green wickets and Jimmy Anderson bowling off four steps, hooping the ball around. So it'll be completely different. So I don't think it'll matter too much. But I think for the overall sort of 
trajectory of the test side. They'd love to just get a win or two in these last two test matches and maybe right the wrongs from the first two. And of course, before the Ashes, there's the World Test Championship final. So, um, you know, a lot on the horizon for Australia. I don't think this series will linger too long, Mm -hmm. but the reaction for their first two losses was so loud from all cricket fans. You know, I think they'd want to just cop a win to shut everybody up. Yeah, 100%. Now, in terms of the one-day squad, Glenn Maxwell and Mitch Marsh back in the one-day squad for Australia. Yeah, this is really good news. Obviously, Glenn Maxwell and Mitch Marsh have been injured most of the summer. And another, you know, blow to the current test squad, the fact that Glenn Maxwell wasn't really in contention or Mitch Marsh to go over there. Mm. And you actually have to think, Mitch Marsh might have been in this squad because Cameron Green was injured. They might have taken Marsh as an all-rounder. So, you know, those injuries really affected the test squad. So great to see them back for the one-day side. Uh, You know, the one-day series after this should be really exciting. And I said, it's all building up to the 50-over World Cup later this year. So people will be jostling for spots in that Australian side. So really interesting series following the test. Yeah, huge year for cricket. It's been a huge couple of days uh, for the Australian Women's T20 side. Now, before I ask you about how long this dominance can last, uh, there was an article, I think it was the back page of the Sydney Morning Herald yesterday, saying, is this the greatest sporting team ever? The BBC, I believe it was, ran a similar story. We were talking about it last week in the lead-up to the final. We were talking about it on Thursday morning before I was off on Friday uh, with COVID. But it, it is interesting... Um, to see how dominant they have been. And we always just have to go back uh, to a few years ago before uh, the COVID pandemic started, where it was only, what, two or three weeks before the whole country was in lockdown when we got 80-odd thousand people at the MCG for that final. It's just a remarkable remarkable achievement that this team has done over many years now. Yeah, this is is almost like the nexus of a lot of factors that have meant this team is just an unstoppable force. You've got the the effect of the WBBL, the fact that it's almost been going for 10 years. So you've got a really strong pool of players used to playing competitive cricket. And you've also got the 2017-50 over World Cup where Australia crashed out to India in the semi-finals. And after that match, they they really wanted to, to define how they would play. Mm. And they've they've turned around. They've won you know three T20 World Cups in a row. And, and you would have to say that there's no better sporting side in the world. I mean, it is just phenomenal. You know, six T20 World Cups of the last seven. You know, they won the last 50 over World Cup. They hold the Ashes. They really are a team we should be so proud of. And I can't think of any better teams around the world. No. Um, certainly, it's, you know, it's the most dominant cricket side I've ever seen, apart from that sort of early 2000s Australian side where they, as well as the women, won everything. So, you know, we're just so lucky to be watching them. I don't know how long it'll last mm. because we're seeing the emergence of all these T20 leagues around the world. And, you know, there'll be teams, you know, really fighting hard to catch Australia. It is just uh, remarkable what they have done, and let's hope that continues for many years. Uh, now, prediction, when we talk next, has Australia won this third test or not? Oh, God, Dan. <laughs> Put you I'm, I'm going to say yes. Ah, I'm going to say yes. Really positive. Uh, let's, let's back Steve Smith, men. In, um, <clears throat> to, to get a win in indoor, I think it'll be Mitchell Stark, Todd Murphy taking a lot of wickets. 
Um, and Smith will score 100. He loves scoring runs when he's captain, so, you know, lock him in for a time. All right. Australia to win, according to men as well. We'll find out when we speak again next week. Enjoy the test match. I'm sure uh, you and Paul and Jaliso have it covered on the Cricket Unfiltered podcast as well. Yeah, we certainly will, but, God, our conversation next week could be have a totally different tone if we get smashed again, so let's see. Yeah, well, look, I am recording this, but uh, if we do get smashed, I won't play it. If we win, I will play it. So I think that's fair, <laughs> okay. isn't it? That is fair. I think that's very fair. Uh, thank you, Menace. We'll catch you again next week. Enjoy the test. Thanks, Dan. Cheers. Andrew Mensel talking all things cricket. Go back to the open line. First one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Chris from Rose Bay, morning to you. Morning. Just on, can we turn it around? You think about the Kiwis in that mm. series. It was only a two-test series. Mm. They got absolutely flogged in the first test. They sent them in in the second test, and England were scoring at five and a half and over and got 400. And they turned it around to actually draw the series. True. Again. So True. We, we might try and take a leaf out of the Kiwis. but It's going to be hard, especially if we lose the toss. I wanted to talk about the this thing about the players and, yeah. and the transparency and payment. Um, you were saying like people make jokes about the Roosters. I don't think it's a joke. I think there's a lot of people out there mm. who are scratching their head. And every time I hear a player say or a manager say they want to go to a club that can win a premiership, mm. I think to myself, well, what's the point of the competition then? You always wonder why some of the lower clubs are paying a million dollars for a player. Mm. It's because they can't attract the other players. Uh, and and they've got to spend 95% of their salary cap. Um, and even like a team like the Dolphins can't even spend their salary cap because they can't get players. We saw Cameron Munster last year offered 1.25. And at one stage, I know it didn't happen this way, but the Storm was saying, we, we, we're already going to pay him 750. And I'm thinking, hang on here. You can't knock back a $500,000 increase. I mean, Max Gorn even came out a couple of years ago in the Aussie rules and he said, I earn 750000 a year because it was speculated he got a million dollars. And he said, my missus is saying, where's the other two fifty? <laughs> so he, he came out publicly and said it. Mm. I, I'm not interested in what the players earn. They can earn whatever they want. But what I'm interested in is a fair and equal, equitable competition because I don't really have a team. I just want a good competition. I- and I don't think in league we, we get a good competition because of this garbage. And uh, look, I suppose if it was released, and this is kind of where Paul Crawley was coming from, um, is that then you would know exactly what uh, the salary cap is and what the team spend on uh, the salary cap. And look, there's argument to both sides. There's argument to privacy. There's an argument to transparency. It's an interesting one. I just don't know if it's ever going to happen. But, Chris, you raise a very, very good point. Um, Mind you, 750000 I wouldn't be uh, too disappointed with that. Thank you, mate. Have a great day. Cheers. Uh, Chris from Rose Bay on uh, the line, one of our great listers here on SEN. Uh, your text 0457 736 736. On the wooden spoon, uh, Yeovil Truman says, Hi, Dan. Hard not to pick the Dolphins ending up with the wooden spoon being the new club, but I think the Dragons could be the team to finish last. Look, I won't reveal my wooden spoon as until tomorrow. Myself and Charlie Goodsir will do a season preview for tomorrow. I'll just say this. I think you might be on the right track. Uh, this from Simon from Quakers Hill. Clubs, should, uh, clubs could make the top li- the list of top 30 salaries public to show their cap management, but keep the privacy by not putting players' names to them. Yeah? 
Fair point. Uh, Wooden Spoon is the Dragons. Club culture st uh, stinks at the moment. Thank you, Simon. Greenkeeping Rooster. Morning, Dan. I'd love to see transparency with players' rate wages. By making the players' wages made public, I don't think it would stop other supporters whinging about the Rooster's salary cap. Probably not, but it would probably stop people making... Well, Chris thinks uh, joke might not be the right word, but making suggestions that there is something... Not right when clearly, uh, you know, this gets looked at every year and nothing has been uh, officially said. So thank you, uh, Green Keeping. And another one before a break, and then we'll get to more after the break. Hi, Dan. This from the Chook Man. Hi, Dan. I think the Spoon may be coming back to Newcastle. Charlie won't like you. Uh, Ford Pack look average. Look, Ford Pack looks average to my eye. No depth, Chook Man. Going to be interesting to see how Jackson Hastings go. Uh, at the Newcastle Knights and if he'll make a difference. But, yeah, the Ford Pack, very important to any team. <laughs> and this from James. Uh, the Roosters will get the wooden spoon uh, after getting in trouble with the salary cap. Thank you, James. Uh, don't think that's going to happen. Uh, take a break. Come back with more. It's 10 to 6 in New South Wales, 10 to 5 in Queensland. Yes, good to have your company. Don't forget we are here for Kenards High. Kenards High make your job easy. Visit your local branch today. Let's finish off with some more text. This from Frank Walker. Well, what about that? Uh, hello, Daniel. My tip for the season, uh, for the spoon this season, are the Redcliffe Flippers. Thank you. Uh, regards, Frank the Walker. Good text, Frank. Thank you. Uh, I wonder if you're in relation to Alan, who texts every now and again. Uh, Serbian Sea Eagle, morning to you, Daniel. It's not the salary cap. It's the third-party deals. Wooden spoon this year, the Dolphins. Uh, cricket, Fletch and Sugar are lucky it's starting on Wednesday all over by Friday. We'll see. Uh, day three seems to be a common uh, theme. And this one from Jason. Dan, I'd like to see what the NRL players have paid, uh, made public, and I hope Australia make a turnaround in the third test, though I cannot see it happening. Yes, we'll wait and see. Cricket on SEN later on today. Captain's run, of course, returns from midday with Cam Smith and Denon Kemp. And coming up after the news, it is Vossi and James Magnus in this morning for breakfast. Ian Smith will be joining them from New Zealand. Jared Waitley also uh, as well after 8am. Queensland listeners, you'll get the first hour of them and then Pat and Heels tomorrow on this show, a season preview with Charlie Goodsir. Looking forward to that. I'll see you tomorrow morning from 5am news, then breakfast.